Welcome to the Hypno Toad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Andrew Zimmel once again in the booth talking to you about TCU football after one of the more frustrating losses I have seen the Horn Frogs put up, at least in the last two years. This is the one that really got underneath my grill. So we'll talk about, we'll talk about, of course, Iowa State this weekend. And then we have news from TCU women's basketball. I'm going to sprinkle this in here at the end of the podcast because I think it's really cool. But first, got to remind you, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast, whether that be on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you can listen to this podcast. That's correct. Don't miss out on all your favorite Hypnotoad action right here on the Hypnotoad podcast and everywhere you get your podcast. And you can win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That's right. We're still doing that. Take a screenshot of your review and your rating. Please give us five stars. Please share it with your friends. We're trying to grow the brand. And send it to the big boss, Pete Mundo, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Okay, time to start the show, and it's time to recap one of the worst losses that I can remember TCU having. This is one of those losses that it's not a loss of Texas or Oklahoma where you know Dylan Gabriel or Quinn Ewers are going to be legit quarterbacks. This isn't even a loss to Colorado earlier in the year that they've proven to be an incredible team. And Coach Prime has turned into being a great coach. This isn't those things. This is a loss to a team that TCU was superior then. This is one of those losses that when you look back on the season and you look at the win-loss record and TCU is playing in a bowl game that maybe is closer to Christmas time than it is to New Year's, if you know what I'm saying, you're going to look back on these losses and that's going to tell you why they're playing in that type of bowl game. This was an inexcusable loss. The Horned Frogs had won three in a row, lost a 10-game winning streak in Big 12 regular season play, and it coincided with the arrival of Sonny Dykes, of course, as the head coach, tied for the 11th longest streak to start a career in the Big 12 for consecutive wins. Look, this is one of those losses, like I said, that's so frustrating because I haven't mentioned this a lot on this podcast, but I'm going to tell you here. My mom graduated from WVU. My uncle's a mountaineer. My aunt's a mountaineer. My whole family on that side of the tree, they have gone to West Virginia. They're all mountaineers. So I've spent countless hours, numerous Saturdays, watching WVU football, watching mountaineer football. So when this type of thing happens, I know what to expect. I know what West Virginia is bringing to the table. I've seen what Neil Brown has done. That team isn't good. (laughs) That team's not good. That team should have lost to Tech last week. Their quarterback goes down. This game is at home. Inexcusable loss. And to be shut out in the second half, to go over three on field goals, that is inexcusable. Inexcusable. Special teams for TCU have been okay. I mean, there's nothing to write home about. It's just one of those facets of the game that you need to have buttoned up if you want to be a championship contending team. And this TCU team is not a championship contending team. Two losses now. This pretty much excludes them from the playoff race, which is awful to think about because I said that TCU was a dark horse to win the conference. And you know what? That's not being completely fair. They still are. They still have a chance to win the conference. Texas and Oklahoma are playing this week. One of those two teams is going to have a loss. So they're going to have one conference loss as well. So then TCU just has to beat both of those teams now <laughs> if they want to have a chance to compete for the conference championship, or at least one of them. 
it's a it, it's a loss like this that they look lifeless for stretches. It's a loss like this that at the beginning of the season, and I hate admitting when I'm wrong. I'm not one of those people that is very gracious in defeat. I, I don't like losing. I don't like being wrong. But when every other pundit and commentator is talking about this TCU team and they're telling you that, hey, this team has so many transfers, new offensive coordinator, Duggan leaves, Johnson leaves, Miller leaves, like this is going to be a worse team. And I told you at the beginning of the season, hey, let's pump the brakes. There's still a lot of talent in this roster. The defense still has a lot of guys. I like Chandler Morris, and I still do. But all those pundits now are right. And TCU is now in the background, and they will probably not get ranked in the top 25 for the foreseeable future, <laughs> okay? I was making the case last week that TCU has better wins on their resume right now, and honestly, a better loss against Colorado, that they should have been ranked higher than Kansas State. They should have been one of those teams in the conversation in the top 25. Right now, the Big 12 has two teams ranked, Texas and Oklahoma. Shocking. This is a conference that needs somebody to step up. And maybe it's Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado would join next year. And maybe Houston in year two of the Big 12 takes a step up, takes a leap, and Kansas State maybe continues to make progress, make steps. But when your two teams that are ranked are leaving, that isn't good. That doesn't make me feel very good. And TCU lost this one, and they should not have. They looked mental errors. They outgained West Virginia by almost 100 yards. Uh, our friend Steven Johnson from uh, the Fort Worth Telegram, I believe, he made a really good tweet. TCU outgained WVU by 100 yards despite having a quarter, the third quarter, which this is inexcusable too, and we're going to get to this in a moment, where they had one total yard. In the third quarter, TCU had one total yard of offense. That cannot happen. That cannot happen. You cannot win games at any level. Pee-wee football in the NFL. You cannot win games having one yard of total offense and not scoring on those drives consistently. The good, P.J. Richardson, three catches, 80 yards, looked really good, had a long touchdown catch for TCU. The secondary looked pretty good as well. I'm really liking um, what they've been able to kind of work in. The run defense looked good. Jamani Hodges had 10 tackles. Shade Banks had another strong game. Johnny Hodges, according to all sources, are he's getting better. He's coming back soon, so that's good. Uh, TCU's done a good job of stopping other teams' run games. However, mobile quarterbacks seem to be the topic of conversation across college football. It seems that all of these very good run defenses do a good job of bottling up running backs, stopping any type of screen passes, stop pitches, all that type of stuff. Does a good job at every level to prevent the run game except putting a spy on the quarterback. And I don't know how you fix that if you're Gillespie, the head, the defensive coordinator for TCU. I don't know how you fix that if you're the linebacking crew for TCU. In a 3-3-5, you kind of have to – you put your best athletes on the field. But, you know, with three linebackers, somebody has to pick up the quarterback at some point. They gave up uh, 80 yards to Garrett Green. 80 yards and two scores on 12 carries. He was the leading rusher for WVU. It's good. I mean, you you, you did a good job of preventing the run, bottling up the running backs, but letting quarterbacks run free is not exactly a recipe for success. 
And Green is not the type of quarterback who you're writing home about. That's not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> that's not Kyler Murray. That's that's a that's a guy who has a decent speed. Maybe he's running like a four seven. It's a decent speed. It's not breakneck speed. Uh, bad. Chandler Moore sacked five times. Bad. Imani Bailey, the second best running back in this conference by yards per carry, fifty five yards on nineteen carries. 2.9 yards per carry. That's, I think, almost two yards worse than his average. Awful. Terrible. 0 for 3 on field goals. Two blocked field goals because the offensive line got blown up. Field goals have been inconsistent all year. Near 50%. Can't win games like that. Cannot win games like that. But luckily enough for TCU, they have a pretty easy, in my opinion, game coming up this Saturday. Now, I said that last week against WVU. I mean it this week against Iowa State. Iowa State, there are six teams right now at 1-1 one and one in the conference. TCU and Iowa State are two of those teams. The difference is, is that TCU has Chandler Morris, and this is one of those where it, it is very simple to say, okay, one team has a good quarterback, the other team doesn't. That's going di- to dictate the game. I think that's too simple. I think it's too simplistic. But in this game, it is going to play out like that. It's going to play out like that because Chandler Morris has been either the second or third best quarterback in this conference. I, I think that Quinn Ewers and Dylan Gabriel, they're, they're at like a little, little bit of a different level right now. I like what they're doing. We'll see what they look like this weekend. Quinn Ewers is talked about as one of the best quarterbacks in the country, talked about as an NFL prospect. Chandler Morris has not really gotten to that point yet. Yeah, he hasn't had like the breakout performance on national TV that somebody's talking about. But Morris is good. He's getting better. He's not making the dumb mistakes that he made in game one against Colorado. He's not throwing, he didn't throw any red zone interceptions this week against West Virginia, which is good. Uh, but he's going to be better than the quarterback across the field because he has experience. And I, I, I value experience. Rico Bedick is a freshman quarterback for Iowa State, and he's looked like a freshman through the first five games. Two interceptions, two touchdowns last week against OU, and only completed 45% of his passes. Now, to give him credit, OU's defense is not the defenses of a couple years ago, which, sidebar, I think we had too much, we gave Lincoln Riley too much credit, or too much um, discredit, discredited his defense is too much, because of those five years that he was at Oklahoma, I think like three of the years he had a top half defense in college football. Now, that's not to say that those are excellent defenses, but they're not the worst. But it is a different ball game now in Oklahoma. Norman actually has an incredible defense. I want to give Venerable credit for that because I did not think he'd be a very good head coach. I did not think that he was going to be a very good coaching hire. Last year, it proved to be correct. This year, Oklahoma looks like a different type of team. Defensively, they look like a different type of team. They have the best defense of the Big 12 which is a testament to Venerable. I want to give him credit. Iowa State got chewed up and spit out last week against Oklahoma. Offensively, the Cyclones not only are bad, they are the worst in the Big 12, averaging the fewest yards and points in the conference. If TCU does not beat Iowa State this week, conversations need to be had about getting rid of the offense coordinator. Conversations be had about getting rid of the offense coordinator if TCU cannot beat Iowa State. They have a middle-of-the-pack defense allowing over 200 yards in the air, over 120 yards on the ground. Imani Bailey should eat this defense alive. 
this TCU team has really established themselves as a run-first team. Last year, they were pass-first. Duggan was doing his thing. They had multiple NFL-quality running backs. I think Bailey's an NFL-quality running back. They've really leaned into that. The offensive line has played poorly in two games so far this season. Last week was the worst that they had played, not giving anybody any room. But this Iowa State defense is not good. This is a bad defense. Morris should have a com- like he he should have a conference game of the year type of performance. I'm talking multiple touchdowns, and Bailey should have over 100 yards on the ground again. There's no excuse if these two guys cannot ball out. And like I said, if TCU loses to Iowa State this week, the conversation needs to be had. And I'm not one of those guys. I've never been one of those guys calling for people's jobs. That's I, I had my job called for. It's not fun. I don't, I don't take joy in this. But the amount of baggage that the offensive coordinator for TCU carries to put up the performances that TCU has put up to get shut out in the second half against West Virginia, inexcusable. Inexcusable. Now, maybe it's the offensive line. Maybe that's the conversation we have. Maybe it is a, hey, you know, dudes are hurt. Hey, you know, training was tough this summer. Hey, you know, the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach aren't on the same page. Maybe that is a conversation we can have. But if TCU doesn't put up, consistently put up 25 points per game, like that, like, look, the joke about Iowa is that they don't put up enough points and their offense coordinator is on a short leash. His contract is like if he doesn't get 25 points per game, he's going to get fired. I, I think that that's silly. I don't think that that's the type of incentive that you have for an offensive coordinator. I don't think it's very good incentive for the players either. I think that there just adds a, adds a lot of noise on the outside. It is unnecessary distraction, unnecessary noise for a college football program. But if Kendall Browns doesn't get this offense going here pretty soon, with the talent that they have, like you look at Jared Whitley, who is a tight end who will be playing in the National Football League next year. That is an NFL-quality tight end. Didn't really get used that much against West Virginia, in my opinion. Didn't think he got used correctly against West Virginia. So what do you do, right? How do you how do you move forward with this? Um, Bailey and Morris, two players to watch for TCU this week. I think they're both going to have... Big games, I think TCU wins. I think that they were like an 11-point favorite, 10-point, 2.5-point favorite the last time I checked. On the road, too. So, we'll see if they can get it done. Iowa State should be the worst team in the Big 12 this year. That's saying something. Baylor has looked bad. Tech doesn't have a quarterback. Houston hasn't been great. UCF hasn't been great. Cincinnati hasn't been great. So I, I But Iowa State should be near the bottom of the conference. TCU should win this game handily on Saturday. All right, enough about football. I want to talk about a cool coaching hire that the TC women's basketball team did. Now, not every day do you get a professional basketball player on your coaching staff. In fact, there is only, what, like four left? It's Oregon, Minnesota, Penn State, and Vanderbilt to have an active WNBA player on the roster. Well, TCU joins that because they hired Ruthie Hebert from the Chicago Sky to be an assistant coach this year. Number eight overall pick in 2020. She played four seasons for Coach Campbell at Oregon from 2016 to 2020 during his tenure as the Ducks associate head coach. While in Eugene, she was a four-time All-Pac-12 player, three-time All-American, 
and won the Catherine McLean Award, which is given to the nation's best power forward. And it was a unanimous All-American as a senior. This is big for TCU women's basketball. I've been saying it all stinking offseason. Last year, when we did our podcast, we focused almost solely on the basketball team, and then we talked recruiting. That was the or the men's team and recruiting. That was kind of a uh, not a shot at the women's basketball team, but it wasn't anything to report on. It was multiple weeks of losses. It was every day we I checked the box score, and it was nobody was winning any games for the women's team. So they got a new head coach. I like Coach Campbell, and to hire an assistant coach who has played professional basketball at the highest level, the WNBA consistently considered one of the highest levels of basketball across the world for women's basketball. And they're even talking about the fact that there's too few of teams and there's so many great players who get cut, you know, like when you only have 12 teams or whatever, the competition is stiff. Some of the best players, you know, are turning into bubble players, best college players turn into bubble players. So the fact that not only is she a professional basketball player, not only has she dominated or at least been a player for the Chicago Sky, consistently getting in the in the reps there. And she's going to have a solid job, too. That's the other part that I really like about this. A lot of women's basketball players, I don't know if you know this, a lot of women's basketball players, they get done with the WNBA season, they take a couple weeks off, they go overseas. They got to play in Czechoslovakia, Ukraine, you know, Spain. They go all over Europe playing professional basketball. So when you can stay at home, that's huge. That helps. So for Coach Hebert, I'm happy that she's here. Okay, <laughs> I'm happy that she's on the in the roster. I'm happy that she's going to be able to add a little bit of uh, coaching. Because I mean, think about championships and Final Fours that Oregon's women's basketball team has played in, and now you have a professional basketball player on the sideline with you too. That's going to help. I really do think that this TCU women's basketball team in the foreseeable future, we're talking three, four years. Let's give them a little bit of time. I, I foresee this team consistently playing in Sweet 16s, Elite 8s, and Final Fours. That is the level that I think that this is, and this is an incredible hire. I, I thought that the hire of Campbell was great. Uh, when he got hired, I said that's a, that's a great hire. By TCU, I thought that they've been on a little bit of a streak here of making good hires from that athletic department. This is another really good and excellent uh, addition to this women's basketball team. That is going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I want to thank you guys for uh, joining us on a Monday that was not exactly great. Not exactly great for the football team. I'm really hoping that they were able to correct some things over there because I, I had such high hopes for the season and it's turning into Middle of the road, we're talking Frisco Bowl type of type of season for TCU. Like that, you you cannot be playing in a in a game that doesn't matter. I I don't you know I want to go to an actual bowl. I want to go to a big bowl game for this football team. This football team deserves it. And I also don't want the conversation to be had that Sunny Dykes was a one year wonder because I feel like if they continue to struggle, that will be the conversation that will be beginning to be had across college football. After winning 11 Coach of the Year awards last year, this team goes, what, eight wins, eight and four, seven and five? You can't let that happen if you're TCU, and I don't think it will. I think they'll correct it. That's going to do it for us. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your Hypnotoad podcast. And also, 
Make sure you send a screenshot of your Apple Podcast review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com to win a free koozie. We'll be back next week with all things TCU. Thanks for listening.